from an abundance of highly secure top secret locations across South Texas. This is the Spurs Insider, the podcast rumored to be available for maybe a second round pick at the trade deadline. I am your host, Mike Finger, here with Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot, Tom Ringo Orsborne, and the polarizing Jeff McDonald. We are one game into what I am told is the longest homestand in San Antonio Spurs history. What uh, What is the state of the local cagers at this historic moment, Jeff McDonald? Yeah, I think I think uh, they're going to be in town longer than the defenders of the Alamo were. I think that's pretty. I good. think they hopefully hopefully they'll have better luck. But um, we need a we need a fact check on that. By the way, I think the uh, the it was thirteen I, days of glory, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I may be exaggerating. <laughs> and this homestand is how long? Longer than that. Okay. But if you want to get so pedantic, this is, the defenders of the Alamo were here for longer than thirteen days. Like they didn't just show up and, and and start fighting. That, that's true. That's okay. true. But they, yeah, there's going to be a history lesson on this podcast. That's what this podcast. But is. they came like in a, kind of piecemeal, though, right? I mean, they weren't all. Yeah, it was kind of right. Kind of I mean, staggered. Yeah. Davy Crockett then, did not uh, come know, in at then, the same time Davey, as Jim right, Bowie. Davy uh, Davey Crockett didn't want to come off the bench anymore, and he, he has to be traded. Right. They right. picked some guys off waivers. Yeah. 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 Jeff is really showing us what he does know already. He's trying to get that. He's yeah. trying to get that segment out of the way fast. <laughs> well, through, th- three members of this podcast grew up with Texas history, and one is from, you know, Godforsaken Florida. So it's understandable that the boss here <laughs> has was not kind of raised and uh, immersed in the culture of the Alamo and. Sam Houston and, uh, you know, uh, the, the whole Texas revolution. So this could be a, an, an educational podcast, not only for the listeners, but for, uh, for, for our boss here, Nick Talbot, uh, who, uh, I, I don't know, Nick, what, what was your impression of the Alamo before you moved to Texas? Well, the, the fir- first time I saw it was when I, when I got here for the energy interview. So uh-huh. my impression of the Alamo before I moved here yeah, just what, what all, did you I, all I knew about was Davy Crockett and the, and the stupid songs from the Disney stuff. There you go. So, what, what was your reaction so, to seeing the Alamo in person for the first time? Same as everyone else. That's it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And also, I it's, didn't understand why they put it downtown with all those other buildings. It's <laughs> it's much. I like it was it was weird. It's, it was weird that they fought this next to a Fuddruckers. You know, like well, yeah, exactly why didn't why did why didn't Santa Ana just put put the armies on top of the embassy suites and just shoot down? Stupid. It's that's why it took thirteen days. We can we can cover this strategy for a long time. Uh, you know, much like um, I don't know uh, 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 Spud Webb. Um, the Alamo was smaller in person. I don't know if that worked. Um, we're off to a great the, start today, by the way. The the Express News beat writers who covered it didn't get much mileage, you know. Just <laughs> hop, skip, and a jump away. The old secure location, which we no longer use during uh, during these times, was not too far away from the Alamo. I I, I can divulge that secret bit of information. Um, in, in, in the shadows of the Alamo is where the old secret location was. We, we um, used to broadcast from the Ripley's, Ripley's Believe It or Not. 
That's exactly right. <laughs> the, the, these 13 days of glory that are remaining for the, uh, for the local cagers, um, it Boy seems to, to me like this might be the last, even though they're playing every other day. And I mean, with this week, there's the, the Los Angeles Clippers that are coming in for back-to-back games. And this isn't an easy part of the schedule. It is the easiest part of the schedule that's left pretty comfortably the easiest part of the schedule. And and so to go with the metaphor, it's their last stand. I think like they, if, if they don't, if they blow this nine game homestand, I don't, that's going to be really hard to make it up with what's left. Yeah. You've got, you've got nine games um, at home. Only two of the teams you play are above 500 already kind of blew one to Charlotte the other day. Um, like if you kind of muddle your way through this homestand and don't build a cushion, those uh, 17 road games, 17 out of 24 road games to finish the season might might just crush you. Right. And this, uh, Well, I mean, I don't want to overstate the desperation of this. Um, there are four games above 500 now, which is probably better than anybody would have expected before the season started. Um, they're not in a situation where they have to win every game at this homestand. But, but, but to your point, like it's it's – if, if, if you don't make hay while the sun shines now, um, it's, it's, it's going to be rough the rest of the way. Um, in terms – like it's, it's probably way too early to be looking at standings. But with the new format of the NBA playoffs, they're going to get extra games if they're in the top ten. And uh, they are now four and a half games ahead of 11th place. It, it looks pretty good that they're going to get an extra if, game, but I think what, they, only, what they'd like only, to do. If your only goal is to be in the top 10, they're looking pretty good still. If your goal is to get up to six, or at least in the top six, so you're avoiding the, the play-in shenanigans, you got to do something with this homestand. Because I think if you don't... That's kind of the catch, that, that's kind of the catch of this new format in, in that there's not a huge, huge difference between finishing the regular season 7th and finishing 10th. In both of those situations, right. you have to play extra games. The seventh seed is better than the tenth because you just have to win one of those extra games. But still, every seed, and, and we'll review this again for the viewers, and I know they're not viewers, they're only listeners, but I think they can imagine us in, in their mind's eye. Jeff with his Polar Pop, Ringo with his Salmon Mug, which I know he has. Um, and and uh, to, to, to review this, the seventh-place team plays the eighth-place team in one game at the end of the season. And the winner of that gets the seventh seed. The loser of that goes on to play the winner of the 9-10 game for the eighth seed. So I, if, if you're placing a bet right now, the Spurs are going to be involved in that somehow. I think the only way they're not is if they lose a whole bunch of games to drop to 11th, which seems unlikely, or if they win a whole bunch of games to move up to 6th. So my uh, my favorite you know. part of the uh, pregame portion of the broadcast before the Charlotte game was uh, uh, Sean Elliott. God bless him. I mean, we, we, we know what those broadcasters marching orders are. You know, they've, they've got to be optimistic and sunshine pumping. But he was um, he was wondering aloud, you know, do you even want to pass the Lakers into fourth or fifth and then have <laughs> to play them in the first round of the playoffs? Like, that's that's great. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> and 
that's not totally out. I mean, that's kind of totally outrageous. But it's not totally outrageous that the Spurs could finish fourth or fifth. <laughs> Do we even want to get to fourth? <laughs> right. But you, yes, you want to get to fourth or fifth. That's better than that's better than seventh or eighth. Uh, I don't think they're going to have to worry about it. I don't. <laughs> what What did um, What did you guys think of not only the opener to this? homestand against the the Hornets, but what looked like a pretty imposing road trip last week uh, where there were five games in however many days, eight days, seven, eight days, um, that the road trip turned out pretty well, all things considered, don't you think? Who should talk? You should, you, we can't see each other. So you should... Go ahead. Tom, Tom's, Tom's the, the, the sunshine guy. I think he should be the optimistic well, guy here. It was bookend with the two losses to, title contenders and in between you had wins over Detroit, Chicago and Cleveland. So it went, yeah, as well as could be expected. And, uh, you know, I guess the, the biggest bright spot was seeing what Keldon Johnson, you know, still, you know, his, his, his stock is rising continuously with that massive double, double 2020 double, double he had, um, you know, and then the Chicago game was pretty incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah. In terms, in terms of the rally, yeah. So, yeah, it went it went as well as could be expected. And then the Milwaukee game was impressive. You know, they had everything stacked against them in that game. Uh, Milwaukee two days rest. Spurs playing their fifth and seven. Um, you know, they were shorthanded with Patty Mills and Dejounte Murray out for rest. Um, on and on and on. But they they gave it a great go and. Uh, as a student of analytics and as someone who totally buys into that uh, line of thinking, I, I realize rationally that the concept of the hot hand is kind of imagined and that there's really no such thing when you get down to it in NBA games of, of momentum. But, but Lonnie Walker repeatedly attempts to disprove that. Like the, the, the game that he had against the Bucks. Where our friend Sean Elliott kept saying it over and over again, get him the ball. When he gets in yeah. zones like that, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. And I don't think he's a guy you rely on night after night to be your leading scorer, even your second leading scorer. But it's it's cool to see, you know, the a variety of these different players they have um, coming up and and kind of growing into their roles, the, the way they can take over a game here and there. And the Spurs lost that game in Milwaukee, but had to be really encouraged with the way who – was, who was sitting that day, DeJounte and Patty Mills. They, they still gave him a run, and, and, and Lonnie Walker had one of the games of his career. They, yeah, they swish played really after well swish with two bad wrists too. Yeah. Ahead, they played well on that road trip aside from the Philly game, but I'm also not surprised that they came home and found themselves in a little bit of a slog against Charlotte. Like I know I know it sounds like like BS or excuses, but I've heard this for since the first day I started covering the Spurs. That first game home from a long road trip is always a bear and it doesn't matter who you're playing or uh, and uh, it's almost like the next game of the road trip until you get settled back in at home again. And, um, you know, the, the Tim, Tony, Manu Spurs, what would have happened to last night is they would have uh, they would have come out against Charlotte and played like crap, but just figured out a way to win it in the second half. And this team, it just isn't there yet to where they can play 
they can often play one really sluggish half and then just sort of pull it out at the end. So I'm not surprised it was a tough game. It's one of those it's one of those that uh, good great teams, elite teams are going to pull out teams like the Spurs in this in this era where they're pretty good. You're not surprised when they just can't can't find that button at the end of the game. The first day you covered the Spurs back in, in 2007, first day of training camp, someone told you about how hard it was to win it the first game. The, it country. was in the orientation packet, yes. <laughs> was it? Was yes. It? Wow. I didn't Pop realize how comprehensive. orientation packet, yes. Uh-huh. That's pretty that. impressive. That. Yes. It was that. He and, shows um, up. Uh, Hello, my name is yeah. Greg Popovich. I'm the head coach. I'll be making your life miserable for the next 14 years. <laughs> And by the way, the first thing you should know is after a long road trip, the first game back is just like an extension <laughs> of the road trip. It wasn't the first thing. It was like the fifth thing on the list. There's also okay, stuff but it like, was the, uh, yeah, there's also stuff like, you know, don't book hour. early morning flights. Yeah. Don't book an early, yeah. early morning flight the night after the morning after a game. Um, uh-huh. You know, that sort of stuff. But I didn't realize how much Pop had taught you so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, it was, um, it was a hell of a day. Where where do they sit right now in terms of uh, the rest of this trip? We we've mentioned how long, or not the trip at the homestand. We mentioned how long it is, but to get into specifics, looking here, we have the uh, the Clippers uh, led by the the player who's all too familiar to the Spurs. Uh, wait, uh, wait, wait, big big emotionally, uh, Paul George. Um, Paul George will <laughs> be know, in town. Wait, let me interrupt. Stand Thursday. I, uh-huh. Let me interrupt. I know you know this, but just think about this. The Clippers okay. uh, in the next two games are probably going to start Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Morris. Wow. Like how loud wow. can 3,200 people boo is what we're going to find out over those two games. That's, that's, that's pretty interesting. I think the, the, the boos are probably wearing off for both of those guys. Um, maybe that's really naive of me to say. Um, well, there's only 3,200 people, so it's not going to be as what it would have yeah, been. That's, that's true. So you have back-to-back games against the Clippers. The uh, I guess the only upside there is the Clippers also have to play back-to-back games. So you're kind of going to be on even footing on the second night. And it's hard to it's hard for even really good teams to beat the same team on back-to-back nights. So maybe in a way um, – Getting getting to play the Clippers on back to back nights gives you a better chance at a split than you would have in another situation. Who knows? That's the yeah. optimistic also, view I, there. I heard a rumor that uh, Kawhi has a perpetually bad knee, and so maybe he'll sit one of those. I don't know where I heard that. That's but. yeah. That that's that's been bandied about in some circles over the years. Uh, some people are saying after that you have some people are saying after that the Chicago Bulls will have a revenge game um, against the Spurs on Saturday, followed by two games against the Sacramento Kings who may have traded a player or two before they get here. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, the Indiana Pacers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's a lot of games during these two weeks of glory. Um, and uh, it, again, to go back to what we said earlier, uh, you, you, you've got to do well there. If you have any hope of uh of making that little move up the standings uh, to get you out of that play-in extravaganza, I think, because after that it gets it gets rough. Anybody with anything to add at this point? No, no, I don't. Well, 
<laughs> said, you know, it's been said time and again that, you know, the schedule's brutal. And last night's game, um, you know, it, it, it was a it was a physical, hard fought game. And it it it's gonna take a little bit to recover from that. It's just this schedule is crazy. It's just nuts. Um, you know, the the more I think about it, it's just just really I don't know how the players union signed off on this. It's it's just a brutal schedule for especially for the Spurs. They signed off on it because I think someone uh, uh, pointed out to them that this is how the money is made. And yeah, yeah. Be, uh, of course. Crass. But I mean, they've got to get they're They're only getting in 72 games this year. Usually there's 82. That's going to be that's a loss of revenue in some form or fashion. And the next TV deal will be bigger. We just saw that with the NFL. Everybody worried about what was going to happen um, with their deal. That's the biggest ever. The next NBA media deal will be huge. Everything will turn out, but you got to put, you got to deliver the content. As Nick Talbot always tells us, we need content, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the games are the content. And and to get this done, they wanted to get the season finished before the Olympics. And if you're going to play 72 games and a postseason before the Olympics, this is this is kind of how it had to happen. And so, uh, you know, it's. It, it's it's not an ideal way to pull off a season, um, and and I'm sure the players have legitimate concerns, but I think that this is pretty much how it had to go. Um, doesn't make I, it right, you know, Mike. Doesn't make it right. <laughs> okay. It was it was pointed out last week. I think was one of the first Spurs Insider podcasts in recent memory where I neglected to point out all the benefits that the viewers. And I realize they're not viewers or listeners that they can that they can receive by going to expressnews.com and signing up for the Spurs Nation newsletter. And we've got great specials going on for subscribers. You get all the Jeff McDonald, all the Tom Orsborne, everything done by Nick Talbot's great staff and, and uh, the entire uh, the entire newsroom covering our city. Uh, it's a good deal. Go to expressnews.com. Sorry, I didn't mention that last week. Um, still looking for a sponsor. Love to have a sponsor. We're, our, our, our listenership is, is growing by leaps and bounds every week. We're well into the double digits. Going to hit triple digits at some point. I think maybe by the end of this homestand, we'll see. But appreciate it. And, oh, and leave your, uh, leave your reviews on the podcast. Rate it. Tell people how much you enjoy this. Always appreciate it. If, um, if, we're, looking, if we're looking for a sponsor, my, my neighbor said he'll give us five bucks. That could that could do a whole that could work for a whole I'm, season. I'm just I'm just kidding. I don't talk to my neighbors. <laughs> That's true. Um, the trade deadline is this week, this Thursday. There has been no action on the Lamarcus Aldridge front. He remains sidelined. Will never play another game for the Spurs as they work to either trade him or buy him out once the trade deadline passes. Does any uh, is anybody on this podcast expect any move from the franchise that has not made a midseason trade since 2014? I thought it was a little dubious, like when it it first came to light when Pop first told us broke the news that Lamarcus they're going to look to move Lamarcus. There was a little uh, little reporting out there at the national level that this, you know, the Spurs could do something within the week, and I just thought that was really uh, dubious. Like that that stuff doesn't happen in a week; it happens 
right at the deadline if it happens at all. So I think I'm not really surprised he's still on the roster. I think if anything was going to happen, it would happen. When's the deadline? Thursday. It would happen Thursday or, or in the run up to Thursday. Um, and I'm not sure that's that's going to happen either. It just seems to me that the the teams that want Lamarcus don't think they could use him. Uh, don't really seem to want to give up assets um, to attract him. They would rather just take their chances and try to sign him. You know, if I think if you're let's just be hypothetical and say if you're Miami, you don't want to give up assets for Lamarcus. You can try to sign him, and if somebody else signs him away from you, it's not it's not the end of the world. So I think that's kind of where that stands. And I, I've kind of thought from the beginning, the buyout seems to be the most likely route. I, I could be wrong, um, but I'm certainly not surprised that he's still on the roster at this point. The yeah. only way – go ahead, Nick. Yeah, it looks more yeah, and more likely like it's going to be the buyout market just because, you know, Miami's already made a move. They got Trevor Ariza. Um, Ariza. Yeah, they used their, use their one asset, or I don't know if I want to call it an asset at that point, that contract. To uh, move that in a second round pick to get him, and you know, I, and that's kind of what you're going to get with Lamarcus is you know a second round pick. It's not so. Uh, and Danny Ainge went out there and said he's looking at more like more likely to use the uh, trade exception in the off season. That might be a bluff. It may not. Be, it may not be a bluff, but looking more and more likely that it's going to be a buyout. You know, you just read, you know, all these everything from reporters from, you know, the other markets. And it, it just doesn't, uh, doesn't seem there's enough interest in giving up assets. And so LaMarcus is probably going to move on with a buyout, but shocking things can happen at the trade deadline. So we'll see. The, the rationale for trading for him and the way that the trade would happen. And I, I, I also think that it's unlikely but this is not only true for LaMarcus, but uh, also for guys like Andre Drummond, whoever else is out there who's up for grabs and, and is a possibility to be bought out. It's not – the team that trades for him is not going to be the one most likely to sign him after the buyout. Like let's use Jeff's example and say that Miami thinks they're going to be able to sign LaMarcus once he's bought out. Like that's where LaMarcus wants to go. Well, if there's a team that wants LaMarcus and doesn't think that he would sign with them on the buyout market and they want to keep him from that team, that's the team that, that, that would decide to give up an asset to trade for him at the last minute. Um, I saw that in regards to Drummond where uh, the, the Charlotte Hornets might have interest in Drummond. And they know that if Drummond is bought out, he's not going to sign with Charlotte. So maybe that incentivizes Charlotte to, to make a trade for Andre Drummond to keep, to not only secure his rights, but also to keep him away from a competitor. Um, that would be the, that would be the way that it would unfold there at the deadline with LaMarcus. I'm not sure who that team would be, but uh, that would be the, the hope that the Spurs could get a little something for him. And, and again, as we've said for the past couple of weeks, this isn't a franchise-changing trade for the Spurs. They're not going to get a star. They're not going to get a first-round pick for him. Uh, anything they get is kind of icing on the cake, whether it's a second-round pick, whatever. Um, but I, I, I think going into Thursday, the most likely outcome is still just he's bought out, he moves on, and, and the Spurs do too. But I don't think I don't think anybody else, you know, the the, the other upcoming free agents for the Spurs, DeMar DeRozan, Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, 
Trey Lyles. I, I, I would be surprised if, if they're not all still around on Friday. Yeah, I agree with that. I, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think this is a team that is looking to shake things up. A because they rarely do, and B because they're you know they're building something that that looks all of a sudden it looks like they have a direction and a, and a way to go. So I think um, they're going to ride this out and see how far it'll take them this season. How as 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 the Spurs historian here is the guy who's been around for years and years. I'm, I'm just curious. What what year was the last year the Spurs won an NBA title? Ah, that would be 2014, sir. Uh, okay, question, question two. What was the last year they made a midseason trade? That would also be 2014, sir. Do you believe in cause and effect? I do. <laughs> so so clearly, the answer here is trade somebody. To, to trade think. for Austin Day. The answer is to trade <laughs> for Austin Day. Yes, yes. I don't even I don't know, know what Brian Wright is doing right now. But he should be on the phone, yeah. uh, first trying to locate Austin Day, <laughs> wherever uh-huh. he is, and then try to trade for him. I think first you have to require not acquire Nando DiColo as that bait for Austin. Austin. Oh Day. boy, it really this is an amazing. Compl- that's why this gets. It really is an amazing. Uh, 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 st- not even not even a statistic, but just the idea that of of how few times over the years the Spurs have done this. Every year, the okay. NBA de- trade deadline is crazy, and the Spurs just do not participate traditionally. So I've been, I've even been when covering they do, it's for them. Day. I've been covering them since the 0708 season. There were three in-season trades. The first one was they sent the first one they sent Brent Berry to Seattle for Kurt Thomas. Yeah. Then Brent Berry was bought out and re-signed in San Antonio. Um, the second one was like Theo Ratliff for a draft pick. Uh, to Charlotte, and then the Austin Day Nando DiColo trade. So it's been three of them in however many years that was. And uh, the only one that really was made with an eye towards improving the team for that season was the first one to bring in Kurt Thomas for basically nothing because you you got um, Brent Berry back on the team and had basically the same roster plus Kurt Thomas. So it's not, right. yeah, they're not right. a team that makes big, they've always believed in continuity and, um, you know, you've heard all the buzzwords, corporate knowledge, and blah. They don't want to have to change a bunch of stuff on the fly. Um, that was orientation like lesson this, number two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Na- Nazi <laughs> Muhammad was, uh, was a few years before that, right? It was before that, yes. Oh, five. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, and that yeah. Led, so, oh, five, that led to a uh, championship. I mean, it's clearly. True. It's true. All they need to do is make a midseason trade, and and here comes the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Um, and this this one's a little different in that you have a player who you are actively trying to move, and everyone knows it. So maybe something right. gets done for reasons that you mentioned, but I'm still I'm still skeptical. Yeah. Um. The we haven't talked much about just the specifics of this team right now and what it's looking like. And, uh, the, this was true on the road trip and it was, it was, I, I think it's, 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 it's a trend growing over the past several weeks. The, we talked all last year and probably as long as we've been doing this podcast about the, uh, idea of DeJounte Murray and Derek White playing together. What's the future of this backcourt going to be They are pl- finally, um, in kind of a rhythm now where, where, you know, 
everybody's healthy and they're they're coexisting and it seems like something that is going to be positive not just this year for the future that's working Kelvin Johnson's working you're seeing some stuff from Lonnie Walker from Devin Vassell. Um, what 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 do you guys think just about this? And since our since our last pod, since our last podcast, they've also got Demar Derozan back, right? So that's been helpful too, I think. Um, um, the young the young core is, yeah, is okay. a is a Dejounte Murray Derek White. Now that we've seen it, not only in spurts but uh, over a few games, and and uh, you know what as we've watched it kind of grow a little bit. Is is that of a, a backcourt, you know, regardless of whether DeMar DeRozan comes back or not, is, is that a backcourt that can be a, a winning one for a franchise over the next several years, do you think? I really don't see why not. I mean clearly it's a Absolutely. very good defensive backcourt. Yeah. Yeah. And you is becoming a pretty pretty reliable offensive weapon, not from the three point line, but from almost everywhere else. Um, as long as Derek White continues to expand his three-point game and be consistent with it, I think that's definitely a backcourt that can get some stuff done. Yeah, their whole There's, their whole identity is trending toward defense, and it it starts with those two guys. Um, you know, and then Vassell's he's he's probably on, you know, on the path to become a pretty pretty darn good defender as well. So that's yeah, that just seems to be their whole identity or or where it's trending. In the NBA, you don't um, do the, the the forty minutes of hell, the the nonstop pressing like like happens in college every now and then. But it can happen in spurts, and when it does, wasn't that kind of the way the Spurs got back into the Chicago game? Was yeah. they just unleashed those guys as defenders? Dejounte, Derek, I can't remember if Devin was on the floor or not. But Devin was. That, Devin was. Yeah. Chicago's on the second night of back to back, and. Pop decided, okay, to get back into this game, we're just gonna we're just gonna press and and uh, make it difficult on another team, and that's not something that can work every night. That's not something that you do for an entire game, but that's absolutely a weapon for for it's, this team. I think moving forward, where you can unleash those guys, it's experts. become their it's become their go to almost when things are kind of going poorly. They did that against Orlando yeah. when they had that, that first game at home with the fans and started off kind of sluggishly and in a hole. I think they were down, what, 13 or something? And they they cranked up that full-court press and got back in the game and won going away. They did that in the Chicago game you mentioned. Uh, against Charlotte, they were down 10 going to the second quarter, did that to start start the second quarter, and like within within four possessions, back within one point, obviously that comeback didn't hold, but that seems to be their sort of M.O. now when they want to – change things up or, or get, get some things going. I think you see it, you see it when they've been sluggish on both ends. I think pop will go to that and it just forces up the intensity. Like if you're going to play a full court press, you've got to be, you know, pardon my French balls to the wall. And I just think it, I just think oh. it uh, increases the intensity uh, on both ends for them. So it's, that's been an interesting development too in this period is that's become their sort of, um, Go to when things aren't going well, and it's been pretty productive for him in those situations. Well, that's a that's an upbeat thing. As we hit the end of this edition, you don't want to talk about Spurs how Lonnie Insider. Walker went from thirty-one points to uh, nine minutes in, in consecutive. No, games. We're, we're nearing we're nearing the end here, and we okay. always like to, to 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 think about the better things in the world, the better things in life, and 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 you know, Pat, accentuate the positive. Patty Patty says they're right on the doorstep. 
They're right on they're the right doorstep. On the, yep. They're right on the doorstep. Not sure which house he's talking about. Yeah. Whether it's uh, <laughs> whether it's one they want to go inside or whether it's one they want to yeah. stay away from. But that's good. Yeah. We'll 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 close so this was, by thinking so that Santa it's Santa Ana's army, man. Santa Ana's army was right on the doorstep once. Again, right you're on you're you're taking the totally wrong approach. I'm going for here. I, I try to end this positively, and you always try to ruin it, and I'm sick of it. But anyway, <laughs> I brought anyway, you to the dark side. Let's let's get back to the roses. I finally, smell the roses. Yes, um, thinking about how after the Alamo, Texas won its independence at the Battle of San Jacinto, and the rest was history. Uh, uh, maybe there can be glory like that at the end of this. For the, for the local cagers, uh, regardless of what happens <laughs> on the basketball court, there are good things to think about. And so in the meantime, I implore everyone, despite what Jeff tells you, despite <laughs> how this polarizing man tries to bring you down, take care of each other and keep it real. <laughs>